Okay, welcome to episode 13 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast, being recorded on March 13th as well, uh, purely a coincidence. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Um, we got, you know, we're getting lots of good feedback on the, these Ask Alex podcasts, and as you can see, I mean, it's pretty much what I'm really doing with One Outer now. Uh, I've not had many other guests on because, one, I really can't be bothered speaking to anyone else apart from Alex regards poker. Um, I've not been playing much myself and stuff, but I still enjoy doing the podcast, chatting with Alex, and um, all you guys sending in the questions makes it an easy you know, an easy little number for me. So um, we're going to keep it going, especially with the, you know, the response we're getting. And thanks to everyone that is tweeting the episodes and sharing them on, on Facebook and all these things as well. It's uh, much appreciated. Um, what have you been up to, Alex, since we last spoke? Have you been playing much yourself? or? Nah, I, uh, I don't know. I got pissed off with the whole, like, uh, running another chip lead into the ground at P- PCA and running two chip leads into the ground at, like, the final two tables of the 1K. And I was like, bleh. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm playing Sundays and... That's, you know, when my my wife and I are watching a movie or something, I I, I put up Zoom poker and I literally play like 12-9 and uh, people just hand me chips because like, oh, it's Assassinato. Like he, he's totally trying to check raise rep this flush. And yeah, it's it, so that's been good, you know, and uh, I don't know. I'm writing a lot. I'm trying to write the first ever poker book. I'm writing Poker Scarface. Or huh. Lord of the Rings for poker players. I I I don't know. I'm trying to make the Godfather. Gra- yeah, Godfather. the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never seen the Godfather. Have I ever told you uh, that? It- I'm just the way to cancel this Skype call. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm afraid to watch it because like I've heard so much good things about it, and I had a few other movies like that, and I saw it, and I was like, I think it would have been better if I never saw this movie because it always would have been amazing in my mind, but. No, like The Shining, everybody overblew The Shining to me, and it's also the fault of every other cinematographer who just has to steal every concept that they put into that Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, that was Kubrick. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I'm gonna see The Godfather. It's on Netflix, and there's Spanish subtitles, and that's always the real pain in the ass finding subtitles yeah. uh, for well, my wife. Sorry, go ahead. The thing about The Godfather is, you know, it's a trilogy and the first one's great, the second one's brilliant, and people always say the third one was crap, but the third one's actually not that bad. I think everyone just finds it fashionable to say, oh, the third one's crap, you know, but it's, there's some elements of it that are crap, but overall it's a good way to, you know, like, tie up the story and stuff like that, and no, The Godfather 1 is just amazing. It's an epic, Godfather 2 as well, yeah, the, the quotes, the story, I mean, you probably need to watch it a couple of times, you know. Yeah, it's one of these films. Like I watched it years and years ago, and then I watched it again, and then I watched it. I think last year, and I I noticed bits, and as you move on in your life and your experience with others, you start to appreciate better. But you know, it's that type of film. It's uh, it is gonna, a special film. It is a special film. I'm gonna check it out, man. I'm gonna. I finally saw Braveheart the other day, and I hadn't. Oh, I haven't. I, I I imagine that should have a special place in your heart. But, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times have you heard the Braveheart jokes in the states? Like between ten thousand and twenty five thousand. Oh yeah, I mean Braveheart. Like, I'm one of these Scotsmen that like um, I you know I love my country and things like that. But a lot of the Braveheart mentality and shit in this day and age, you know this 
and he, you know, some of it seeps in. I mean, just now we're having like an independence vote and stuff, and you know, like I'll be voting no because I'd rather stay part of the UK. Right. Uh, but that's just that's just me, and that's my you know opinion looking at it from uh, economic points of view, and even just you know I'm a bit, I consider myself you know Scottish, but I'm also part you know a Britain sort of thing, and a lot of the Braveheart stuff is like oh anti English, we hate the English just for the sake of it, and I don't know a lot of that's like it annoys me, and yeah, like the Scottish I think it's a mentality thing. It's like the Scottish football team, right? We've been shit for years and years and years, and um recently we've started to get better and stuff and they've got a good manager in there just now Gordon Strachan who plays he's not afraid to like have a go and play you know aggressive football but for years we were getting hammered we've never qualified and the Tartan army as the supporters are called they thousands would follow the Scottish team abroad and they'd get beat like 5-0 from Holland and they'd all be cheering and singing oh. it was all <laughs> and it was all it was all like oh Scotland's fans are the best fans in the world and stuff. I was like well, yeah, it's good they can laugh and have a joke in that, but they're never going to be... That's part of it, why they're not successful. If that was Brazil or Spain, there'd be riots in the fucking street. There would be people... <laughs> like, there would be people, like, shooting team members and, you know, things like that. And that's why these countries are all good at it, because there's, like, there's uh, consequences for being shit. Yeah, you know? Whereas in, in Scotland, it's a bit like, oh, yeah, we try, you know, this, we'll go marching, and you're like... I think it's kind of defeatist and pathetic, you know, in that right, sense. Right. But, but at the same time, it's kind of like Luxembourg trying to get a really yeah. dynamite team together. You guys just don't have the people. So I can... Yeah, the, yeah. the population's not there. But to be fair, there are other smaller nations as well that have, have done even better, you know. And right, so right. I see your I point. See, I, see what, I see what you're saying in that as well. But also, it is been in this country for, you know, since day dot. And uh, the facility, you know, and things like that, it is a, it's a big part of the culture, football here in Britain, you know, and England. But even look at England, 55 million, you know, it's not a That's huge a really population. That's a really good point. But, yeah. but they're still shit, you know. It's, <laughs> like, it's, a, it's, a men, it's a mentality thing with British British sports in general, I think. It's a mentality thing. It's like, it's, it's okay to lose, you know. And yeah, that's fine and stuff, but I don't know. It starts now at sports days. Like, there's no medals now. You know, it's like everyone gets a medal. Uh, everything's we, a participation trophy. Yeah, yeah. it's trying. And it, like, yeah, that's good to encourage some things. But I, I don't know. I think it takes out that, like, competitive. No, to bring you know, it, to bring this back to poker, just so we, you know, right before a lot of people turn off this podcast. This is fascinating <laughs> to me. This is fascinating to me, by the way. But just it's something I've noticed in my poker game is it used to hurt when I lost. Like, it fucking hurt. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't think I played better before, but I must have because it, you, there's a feel with poker. It, another reason I'm not playing that much anymore is honestly, I, I, I can just tell I'm in one of those phases in my life. I'm just I'm not going to play poker that well. I have other things going on. Other things, you know, I don't need the money. I have other stuff going on that's far more exciting. I'd rather I was exuberant yesterday because I wrote 4,000 words in this book I'm trying to write. And even though there's a nine out of 10 chance, it's going to be a flaming piece of shit when it's done. It's something else. And, yeah. uh, but like when I lose at poker, I just don't care anymore. Like I just don't get it anymore. And I don't get it when people take it so seriously because it's, uh, I mean, if you've ever won a tournament before, you know, you don't need to be good to do it. 
Like you can win two gigantic tournaments and not know a fucking thing about poker. You know, so it's when people go, oh, I deserve this. Like, I ah, shut up. Like, it, this isn't basketball. You're not Michael Jordan. It's, you know, it, but there's the, it does need to hurt. It really yeah. needs to hurt at some point. And everything I do can be quantified on paper. But at the same time, I'm like, I know there's this feel thing that I used to really have. Like when I used to kick ass and make a lot of money. And I just, I mean, quite frankly, I don't have it anymore. And it doesn't affect my ability to teach. In fact, I've gotten way better because I can't, I just, I know I can't be trusted to make some of these like really close calls. So I quantify everything as far as I can go. And it gets to the point, there's only like one or two decisions, a tournament that could go either way. And I know some of my friends who play really well on their game would always make it right. But it's just every time I play lately, it's just been like, ah, no, <laughs> then yeah. I got it wrong one more time. <laughs> and yeah, there's just no consequences. Like, what am I like? What what's going to happen? Like my my office right now is the size of my first apartments. Like, I mean, that is so I can't really get pissed anymore. I just I don't have it in me. Like there's a part of me that really cares. But yeah, it's it's weird how how do you build up that masochist part of yourself yeah. without hurting yourself? And maybe we can write an ebook on it and sell it to every Scotsman <laughs> after yeah, this. Well, it's, it's like what you're saying there. The old thing to just sum it up and put that all in context with poker is when people say that don't really play poker, oh, let's play, but yeah, like for no money, we'll just play, you know, for fun. You're like, well, you can't play for fun. Really, yeah, exactly. Right. You, you're, it's not, it's not, if I go all in with like, wow, out, that's a really you know, good point. It's like, it's not going to hurt. It doesn't matter. It's like, there has to be either, you know, and it's usually the thing that hurts people mostly in this society is like monetary loss, you know? Right. Right. So it has to, it, hurt. it has to hurt financially. And it's the old thing. It's like, when you reach a certain level, it's like Phil Ivey, like he says he wants to win and play every game and this doesn't matter the stakes and stuff. Like if he goes and plays like five cent, 10 cent with someone, I guarantee you it's not, you know, the decisions are all, you know, even Phil Ivey will have a threshold, you know, well, maybe he doesn't, but <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, it has to hurt. Otherwise you can't do it. It's like these tournaments, you know, that like some local casinos do, it's a student night, you know, turn up and play. They have like casino nights where you play with free chips. People are standing at a roulette table with chips that you can't cash in going, oh, number 10, oh, it came in. And they don't win anything and they don't lose anything. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, a, let's just run around the highway with our thumb up our ass while we're at but, it. But there are, there are companies in the UK that do, like, that's a business function night, like casino night. They wow. put on a casino where you can't win, you know, maybe like, the person at the end of the night wins a bottle of wine with the most chips. Something as shit as that. Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody, like, can actually win. And they're standing with, like, 10 chips and, like, you know, I'm like, and the guys are standing there thinking they're James Bond with, like, fake chips. I'm like, <laughs> fuck me, you know? Oh. I mean, I, I've not been in a live casino in Britain for, like, two years now. God I bless just, you. I, you know, I can't do it. I mean, I was in Vegas last time I played in a live casino. And that was 2012, and uh, I don't know. Sorry, guys. I know this is a poker podcast, and I'm the host, and I'm meant to be keeping it, but I'm just not playing much at all, really. So that is oh, going to come across. Oh, this is fascinating. And, and I'll bring this back know. to poker. That's my job. You make yeah, you yeah. make it interesting. 
Like, you make it interesting for the normal people. I'll bring it back to poker. Uh, Chip Reese said be- before he died, he was like, I only play the biggest games in the world. And they said, why do you do that? And he's like, well, it doesn't have to do with me thinking I have an edge or not. But he did have an edge. He was just being modest. But he was saying, like, you know, you know, wa- walk across that cliff. There's a better view from up there. And I, I can't play unless I, I feel it. And this is probably one of the best gamblers of all time if you looked at his yeah. palatial estates and stuff like that. And it's – yeah, I, I really feel – yeah, yeah. It's You really have to – you got to work on that. Where, where is it going to hurt you and make sure – and if – another thing I've been experimenting with is like building in the pain, like having punishments. I, was, I started doing this for my horses where it was like, you know – What's one thing I know they love, right? And some of them, uh, it was like drinking on the weekends. And we had like, you know, somebody would review their hand histories. And if there were like three clear errors, like nobody in the world could justify, they couldn't drink that weekend. And if somebody in their town caught them drinking, they got a little reward. And this gets super convoluted, by the way. But And then money gets put on their makeup and stuff like this. And it was like, it really showed results. And then you can make it, you know, workout oriented. Uh, when I was younger, it was, I had to run a mile every time I made like a serious error. Right. And like, I, I did my really like, I loved running as a kid, but in the morning and then I didn't like doing it at night, but I would do it at like four in the morning in Seattle. And if it was like a mile, it was a pain in the ass. Cause all I wanted to do was go to bed or like drink and watch a movie or something, but my record was 13 miles, which is 21 kilometers. I had to run at like four in the morning. I was just dying at the end. But the next day I didn't make any of those mistakes again. You know, even though the money at that time, you know, it started not meaning as much either, but anyway, all right. All right. Questions, stuff. Let's, let's go questions. Okay. First one is anonymous. Uh Um, I don't know if I've put anonymous. Actually, I put exclamation mark. I think I maybe forgot to take down the name, so they're anonymous now, even if they weren't anonymous. <laughs> I thought this so, was. I thought this was going to yeah. be a shot. I saw. So, I have a photo of Alex when he was nineteen doing this. <laughs> uh, no, I've got them later. You know, they, 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 I'll, I'll pull them out when I need them. Yeah. Um, where are we? Yeah. So if you did put your name, I'm sorry, I forgot to write it down. Uh, whoever this is. Um, Okay, so can you please ask Alex about rules on stealing and more specifically on unexploitable shoves? Uh, there is nothing more frustrating than shoving my 10 big blinds near the bubble with Ace-5 and going out on a 60-40 or running into a monster. It seems to have to put a lot more variance into my game. Also, when the person to my right is always shoving uh, when unopened, what are the rules to deal with that? Well, and I mean, this is one of the reasons when people tell me they want to play 10K tournaments for a living, I go, well, uh, uh, you better get really good at playing deep stack because if you're one of these ram and jam type guys, there's just too much variance in it. And I don't think anybody on earth has a big enough bankroll for it. A lot of the guys who help me buy into tournaments have millions and millions of dollars. And even they're like, this is just absurd, you know, when it gets deep. And well, here's the thing I'll Here's the thing I'll say. There's, oh, no, never mind. Uh, 
some assholes at my front door trying to sell me strawberries or something. But uh, no, it, I'll, I'll take some. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> no, and every week I tell them I don't buy strawberries from somebody I've never met. You know, like I just I, I'm not going to do it. But anyway, yeah, maybe you can hear them. Here's what I'm going to say. If you want a good uh, get ICMizer, sit and go wizard, hold them resources and always cross check versus all those. If you want to really get good answers about when you can shove and what you can't shove. Now, what's more interesting to me though, is we had a guy, we had a guy, I had a student of mine who at, he, he took a lesson. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he may, I'll ask him if I can say his name once this comes out, but he took one lesson with me and he, because he wanted to go play like a, he won an entry to a WSOP circuit event. Right. And he plays cash games, but he didn't really know much about tournaments. We hammered on him, uh, like the basic concepts for like two hours. And then he final tabled this tournament. And at the end of this tournament, one, one of the last hands, he had like 15 big blinds and like King, there's my dog. I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Seriously. Why the fuck? We're does... keeping this all in. We're keeping this in. No, you can keep this in. And no, he's literally like standing in front of my door. Like he's, he hasn't left. Like I'm not, I, I've never bought food from this guy ever, ever. And I'm not going to buy it now. Like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like, I'm not going out there. Like I, I'm sick of this shit. I'm just supposed to fucking make time for everybody. And it's like, like if I'm not answering the door, wouldn't you feel awkward after the first two minutes? But yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Like some people are just shameless. I don't know. All right. I'm hiding. So anyway, the, we didn't order strawberries. My wife didn't tell me we ordered strawberries and I do not care, but it, it, there is no way that we actually ordered they're probably, strawberries. They're probably spiked with something. Yeah. No, now, now I'd be, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Right. Probably. But yeah, I mean, it, maybe that could justify why this is such an important deal. Like, but anyway, uh, I uh, no, this guy literally drove like a moving van in front of my house, did not try to sell it to anyone else, just walked in front of my house with strawberries and started yelling. And yeah. it, like that was it. Like he hasn't gone to any other person's house. And I think he just got into his moving van and left, which means my wife probably ordered strawberries and I'm probably going to be an asshole yeah. <laughs> when she comes home. But like at the same time, like how was I supposed to know? And furthermore, I don't think we ever do that. I go yeah. to I go to a big restaurant. Yeah, what 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 is with? There's like a barricade. Of <laughs> this guy had like two people driving motorcycles with him. This was probably yeah. like an elaborate drive-by. It's, it's the U.S. government. That's them here for. <laughs> <laughs> I pay my taxes. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, but anyway, all right. Oh, but the interesting thing was okay. So he had King Deuce right and fifteen big blinds. And he raised to like 2.4x and folded, right? And his buddies were like, oh my, from the small blind, right? And it, they were like, oh, you know, you have an unexploitable shove with King Duth there. I, I don't, and I was like, okay, so I understand how if you shove and know you can make a profit, it's really tempting to always do that in every single instance because then you can absolve yourself of blame, but... You could also shove a hundred big blinds with aces. It is unexploitable. It does not mean it is optimal. That is not what we're trying to do in poker. So I, I said, well, okay. I, uh, I took an entrance exam for an inner city junior college, and they told me I had to go back to ninth grade math. But I think I can do this algebra. 
I was like, okay, so you're risking 1.9x because the 0.5 is dead, right? You're risking 1.9x to win this, right? And we were like, okay, does he ever flat from this stack? No, never, never. He knew this guy inside and out, never. And I was like, okay, what's the maximum range he could jam, right? And he said, okay, it's this percentage. So what we did is we multiplied, okay, this percentage times you're losing this many chips. I just made it 100 trials. So let's say like he jams on us 44% of the time, right? Or whatever it was. So 44 times this many chips you lose, right? And it's just the amount you're risking, the 1.9x. Because the 0.5x is out there. It's dead, right? You can't do anything. And then the other 56 times you win this much and you don't count your... 1.9x that time you count whatever was in the pot before that which is like 2.5x and it and then okay you divide you get this profit over 100 times you divide by 100 and then you get an average profit and then with Singo wizard the most primitive or any of them you can see the profit if you shoved and i did this probably 10 times with a lot of like really thin jams and it turned out race folding was far more pop uh profitable and more than that you uh you get to keep your chips if you're wrong like it's not just over now a lot of people go well there's equity you know the old king two flopping i'm like you know i'll save it like i'll live i i don't i'm i'm call me old-fashioned i don't like racing off the king fucking deuce like i mean it's just it's just in my blood i can't talk about it but the other thing is, like, if you double up, let's say the average stack at that table, not nine people left, average stack is 15 big blinds. Your chances of winning this tournament are 10% right now if you have the dead average stack. If you double to 30 big blinds right there because you geniusly got in your king deuce because everybody has told you from the beginning of time it's unexploitable. And if we all know everything, Roger Federer is the best in his profession because he does everything the exact same way every mediocre reg in his circuit does it. But anyway, if you double up from 15 to 30x, do you go from a 10 to a 20% chance of winning this tournament? Of course not. Not even close, like 16 if you're lucky, right? If you're really good, maybe 18, but it's never a full 10%. Like if you're one of the best in the world, maybe like eight, you'll go up to 18. But if you drop, like if you lose, it goes from 10 to zero, no chance of growth, nothing. So you're, the chips you are risking are worth far more than what you stand to gain. However, if you're risking 1.9x to win 2.5x, that's a much smaller investment, and the chips are worth – it's closer to, like, chip EV because it's – they're worth about the same. Obviously, the 1.9x is worth closer to the 2.4x you're going to gain, uh, just given that recent example I gave, but not quite. And it's still pl- plus chip EV, EV profitable, and it. Uh, I think ICM is pretty smart. This is why, like, Pasagno can do all these ridiculous raised folds, and he has this beautiful graph. This is why Phil Helmuth like folds with 12x with queens, and yet he has more bracelets than. Pre- I mean, if I put all the empty tiers together on two plus two, I think we wouldn't have 12 bracelets, in hold'em. Yeah. Like, and I, I I'm not, I, I'm not trying. I've never done that math, but I think we'd be right in that. I think we wouldn't have 12 hold'em bracelets. And remember, that's like a team. That is a team over seven years that has played every Hold'em event. I mean, actually, there's probably more than 12 bracelets, but like barely. You know what I mean? And obviously, Phil Hummuth has been going on longer. And then, yeah, Negranu never seems to love to get all in. And I think there's something to that. 
And in Chippy V, it certainly seems to stand up experientially. It seems to stand up. That's what you should be looking into. That is my professional advice. Don't turn. Being a jam monkey was super profitable for me five years ago, son. But I advise you against it now because everybody understands it. Yeah, it's, it seems to be fashions, isn't it? It's like I remember when I started playing two thousand and seven, and there wasn't. Well, from where I played, I mean, I started playing locally in the casino. There wasn't this huge jam jam you know it was all sort of like uh it was 3x and you know and um right, playing like right. that pretty straightforward and then all of a sudden around about sort of 2009 2009 yeah. yeah it came in and they like everyone started this jam it in just jam it in oh i've got i've got 15 big but it's all in it's, it's all yeah. in. i've only I can only go all in. I've only got that. It has to be all in. Well, I, you know, well, like... I remember like talking to Sorel Mitzi. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. Okay, Sorel Mitzi in like 2007, he was talking to me. He was like, he he was so cool because he would go like, okay, now what do you do in this spot, right? Because he wanted to see where my thinking was, and it was obviously like you know like on the ass end of the caboose of his whatever. But it, it was just. He, he was like, okay, you have 16 big blinds with a six in the small blind. It's folded around to you. And I said, raise, fold, because that's what everybody else did, right? Or I, I think I said raise, and then I was like, you know, I did what everybody else did. Then you evaluate, you know, as Joe Seabock yeah. says, it depends. And uh, <laughs> I was like, he was like, no, you just shove. The only way you get fold equity is if you shove. Nobody plays correctly against you. They're probably going to fold like ace nine to you. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, right? And then watch the C, who is a name only I think the old heads will remember. He like I think he read Bill Chen's book or some one of my friends read Bill Chen's book, and it had the unexploitable jams like way before DJK talked about it, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, you got to be jamming like everywhere. And then, like, DJK shoved 22X and FU15 on pocket fives is like, this is bullshit. And then DJK showed the math, and then everybody the next day knew how to shove, and my head exploded. And then it was – I mean, I had, like, a 15% ROI in turbos on Syngos. you know anybody with a Syngo ROI of 15% in, tur- no. in turbos anymore on stars? And, like, my rule after I heard about that was 15X – from the cutoff or later jam any two cards that was my rule because i was like 28 tabling or something and it just destroyed people back then and it's just yeah it's a fact i i hate it when the fashion makes people play better i don't like that i'm really glad i'm not fashionable i i really i i mourn the day i win a tournament because then a lot of this stuff that still works probably will become more popular but i'm very happy only my students use a lot of the stuff i use anyhow Egotistical yeah. proclamations by Alexander Fitzgerald. Thank you. So, <laughs> next. Okay, well, we hope that one uh, answered your question. I can't remember your name. Anonymous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you forgot but, to but, remember a forgotten name. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, okay, the next one I got his name is Jamie Klossack. Um Hi, guys. Another question for Alex. Um, a situation that is not uncommon in my local casino tournaments. I've been playing solid and not had too many spots or cards early on. Find myself with 25 to 30 big blinds when the average is maybe 42 to 45. 20 minute clock, so time isn't on my side. 
what are your opening and calling ranges and general strategies in that spot to not let the game run away from you and get into push-fold territory? Well, you, what we have another how do you play poker. Like, yeah. h- how do we play poker? No, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm, I'm going to tease this guy just a bit. Okay. But no, I, this is a really good question. First thing, you're focusing on the average. Ne- don't care about the average. Okay, I can't tell you how many tournaments I've won where I've had to short stack the entire tournament. Just the entire tournament. If you play like a little bitch and just throw it off, you know, you're not going to win nearly as many tournaments as you should. But I don't it, back when me and my friend were me and my friends were kids, like we used to play like NBA Live 96 and like when you didn't have that much time or it was like before school, we would play these like challenges they had. I can't remember which NBA live it was. And it would literally be like you're down by six points. There's five minutes left. Or like if it was really tough, it would be like you're down by 15. There's seven minutes left. You have to get out of this. And it was super fun because you knew this was a situation you were going to probably get into in a pickup game. And you had to learn how to like run the plays, right? By the way, I'm the worst basketball player in the world, so don't ever, ever. I am so white, it is painful. But don't <laughs> ever, ever ask me to play basketball with you. I tried to, I tried to do it. I tried to like shoot around with Jocka the other like. And my dad's like a state champion in Alaska, and I'm like I can't shoot a b- basketball. But anyway, we would play that, and it was like exciting because of the challenge. And yet, people get this weird panicky thing when they get like 15, 20 big blinds, and everybody else has like 60x, but. If you, I literally had like eight acts on the start of day two in the PCA where I eventually busted to Zwan Lu. And like, I just didn't, you know, you can't really care about what the average stack is around you, whether it's 70 X or seven. I mean, well, you do have to care, but you have to, it it needs to be something that affects your gameplay, but not your attitude. Uh, Not, not, uh, you don't want to start panicking right now. 25, 30 X is a lot of chips. Now, what I would say is you still have a three-bet fold stack, but you have to be real careful with that weapon because obviously it's more of your chips. But the good thing about it is your three-bets are going to be more effective because most people are going to think you're committed. One of the best places you can three-bet fold from is the big blind because you're going to get this discount nobody else is really seeing. So let's say you have somebody opens to like 2x on the button. The typical three-bet in your game is probably 4.8x. Well, that that effectively is a 3.x 3-bet because the big blind is dead. It's less than a min-raise out of position. So if you're bluffing, that seems like a really bad idea. If you were to make it 7x, nobody in their right mind is going to think you're folding, but you're just risking 6x. It's it's yeah. essentially a, a cash game 3-bet. Now, that's an extreme example. You can just go with 6 or 6.5. It's still going to look like a huge 3-bet. But a lot of people won't play back at that without like a big hand, and they won't. People have gotten really good at making these like really small four bets are like getting it in really light when they think the guy's bluffing. If you make like a big three bet, it looks like especially live. It looks like a uh, it looks like a dumbass with ace king or tens or something yeah. like that. And uh, the other good thing is uh, if you do. Let's say you have a guy that C bets too much. If you flat, uh, if you flat like nine six suit, not really a good hand for three bet bluffing because if he flats, uh, it, it's a little different. Uh, if you flat that hand and you were to raise the flop, the guy's next bet is going to have to be all of your chips. And most people I know do not have it in them to three bet all in like ace ten high. 
especially in live poker when they have to turn it up and uh i'm guessing this guy is british and you guys make the funniest expressions when somebody does a stupid bluff i mean not you oh my god barry not you i know you're scottish my god <laughs> hold my god forgive me forgive me but anyway but you're a traitor anyway because you want to be with yeah. the people so <laughs> joking but no i mean it's a a lot of people don't have it in them, but if you actually work it on Flopzilla, you'll find the guy needs to shove like king high in order to defend against a lot of your check raises. Now, the other, now those are the most aggressive plays. Your real bread and butter is going to be opening when people do not uh, are not defending enough. But the problem being, like if people are not defending enough, like if you min raise with the severe anti structure. In most of these live tournaments, your bet might need to work 40% of the time. So if everybody's folding 49% of the guy time, you are working an extreme edge there. That is awesome for someone who professionally, I sounded really American there. Awesome. But that is like, that is a really big professional gambling edge, but you'll have to come to terms with the fact you're going to lose the majority of the time when you open. And a lot of people can't handle that. Because if you touch a stove and the majority of the time it's hot, hot you're just not going to touch that stove anymore. To learn more about the mathematics and when to execute these bread and butter steals, I really recommend uh, we're going to go from free to paid. Okay, We're going to uh, neutralize their position uh, is a bluff article by me. Check that out. Uh, let's see. What was it? The Simple Adjustment WPT article check that out and uh i i think those are the two that'll like really uh key you into like what people are doing and uh to get like the really like it'll give you a good start to get really into it to see the material i developed that uh it kept like 200 uh low stakes guys in profit for years which is really really hard to do by the way uh my my webinar, Why Pasagno Was Right, is available for $99. So write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. Yeah, I was actually going to mention the webinar when the, you know, the guy was saying that question and, and you were speaking about you know, more, mainly the specifics. Um, what I'll do is I'll put details of your well, – I do that every podcast on the oneouter.com website. There's details of your email address so guys can get in touch with you there if they want to – um, is there any sort of numbers limit on that, Alex, or anything, or can is is it pretty much for sale to anybody that's ready with the ninety nine dollars? For sale for anybody who can transfer the ninety nine dollars. There you go. Um, so yeah, get get involved with that. Um, yeah. The next question is uh, this kind of leads nicely on and c kind of similar from what you've just said. Um, Daniel Gallagher, uh, I'm a decent, solid player, but where's the best cheap training sites to take me to the next level? Well, uh, there's there's a lot of – well, let's structure this. It, uh, there are like one-off training seminars that a lot of people do that I, I think most people who do them – I'm not going to name names, but some, uh, I have friends that forward me the material – are I, I really think it's a cash in but if you can find somebody who does like you know they they do one class and they really know what they want to hit upon it's really an effect it's really effective for 
I have this one topic and I want to get into it. So there's some, like there's some, if you're clueless, I would, there's a lot of MTT coaches who for a hundred dollars will, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, who will get, get you into the basics. I think if it were me, the reason I made that webinar was because I thought, oh, I can blow these guys out of the water. And it's, it's like a four hour lesson with people asking as many questions as they'd like the why Pisagno is right webinar, uh, for $99. And it covers a lot of like the groundwork for MTTs it, it opening three betting, uh, making these little steals that a lot of people are fascinated by, but they don't really know the mechanics. And after you, you know, it's like going, it's like paying for a lecture at a local university. Like you have to pay, you have to go. But after the four hours, you're going to go, oh, I really get what people are thinking about in these spots. Uh, beyond that, the next, actually probably equal to this, actually more cost effective would probably be uh, signing up for a training website. Actually, I can't think of anything more cost effective. And you got to know, I do not get a piece of, I, I get paid per video by Pocket5's training. So I, if, you know, 2,000 of you guys sign up, I don't see another cent. So it's this isn't about me trying to make money, but signing up for a site like Card Runners or Pocket Fives Training, or if you want to learn cash games, deuces cracked, took me from total tournament fish to I in the games to really making decent money, like traveling Europe, having a great time, having a real life in cash games. That uh, those sites, I mean, it is going to cost a couple hundred bucks usually with the sign-up fees and the monthly uh, over to get it for a year. It might cost like $200, $300, but it, the access to hundreds of hours of training can't really be paralleled. Now, what you got to remember is a lot of the guys who are hired for training videos, they're kind of out to make a quick buck or they're – you know, they, they're they really good players, but not as good at articulating their thought process. And sorry, guys, I have a bit of a cold. So my uh, my throat might be my voice might be a little more scratchy than usual, which will. Here's a preview for my battle versus the Saurus. Like this is what it's going to sound like after a couple rounds. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, so you got to know what you're joining on is quality card runners has a bunch of fantastic material and a lot of real crap. Uh, but so much fantastic material. You'll love it. Uh, pocket vibes training. We, there's a serious vetting process to be added to that site. Uh, we, it is not easy to just, it, you really need to come with a product in order to be part of that site. And I, I, when I'm working out, I watch a lot of pocket vibes training videos. I don't watch other sites. I've watched uh, some of the stuff on Run It Once, but I, I feel like they're charging way more for the same stuff you would see about tournaments on our sites. I mean, there's guys like Jason Kuhn is arguably better than a lot of us at Pocket Fives Training, and uh, Andy McLeod is certainly super educated, but the amount of money, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just not enough for me. I would recommend the site I'm with. If, that might seem strange to you guys, but I think my site is superior. But no, seriously, I'm recommending other sites that do, you know, like if you want to go for cash, like Run It Once or Deuce is Cracked is fantastic. Uh, for tournaments, I think Pocket Fives Training, you can't really, it, you can't do better than us. We have 
extremely different players and there's a serious vetting process and that's probably your most cost effective followed by personal webinars and then personal lessons are probably your most expensive and uh that would be you know that that's you really need to be prepared for those it's like you get an hour to talk to privately with someone but if you don't know what to ask them and they're not prepared either you're going to get robbed a lot of the time I have a lot of stuff prepared, but you can get it very cheap from uh, I, I made it cheaper with why Pisagno is right. That's a lot of the stuff I used to do in introductory classes. And then, you know, but if you come with a bunch of questions, I can go. We can just go boom, 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 go right through it. But if you go up to any coach, you should have a bunch of like, hey, I want to work on this. This is what Naza 114 did to get to the top. He just he hit up every coach you could think of and you felt like you were in like a testing ground when you talked to him. He's like, okay, I have this hand, this question. Now what? And it's okay, let's go. And you got a lot done, but that's a, yeah, that's how you'd get about the most value in my mind. Uh, I'll, I would say like a a good idea and I'll, I'll sell your webinar here for you. Make me money. If you buy the webinar for $99, the way I would see it is, you've got something tangible that you can go back to and refer whenever you want. Because what people do sometimes, it's like a gym membership with training sites. They'll join, they'll maybe use it the first week, and then they'll never look at it again. And they'll maybe forget to cancel the payment or whatever, and they'll pay for three, four months down the line and then realize, I'm not using this, I'll just cancel it. You know, That's certainly what a lot of people do with things like that. So if you buy it, it's a one-off $99 for Alex's uh, webinar. So you buy that, you've, you've paid that, that's the maximum outlay you've done. And there is enough concepts in that. I mean, I've had a look through it, and there's enough in there to be getting on with and focus on. Whereas when you join a training site as well, it can be a bit overwhelming. There's videos on cash games, tournaments, uh, this run, that run, uh, three bet, four bet, you know, everything, all the different stuff. Whereas, you know, Alex's webinar is covering a series of topics and things to really... I mean, the question was to take your game to the next level. So I think getting a good grasp of that stuff and refining that stuff that's in Alex's webinar would be a good start. And then, you know, put those things into your game and practice. And then if you make some more money, then, you know, maybe look at joining something more regular like a training site, you know, or something like that. I mean, just if I was a way to do it, that's the sort of way I would think. I would like to, you know a one-off thing and use that, you know, at my leisure sort of thing. Yeah. And one, Um, one thing before we get off this topic, if you're going to, one of the reasons I think the webinar is really valuable is you just have it for reference forever. And, uh, I'm actually working on, uh, I'm making subtitles in different languages right now. So let's say you get it in English and then, you know, but your first language is Latvian. Hopefully in like a month or two, I can send you the subtitles and this is going to be more valuable than any video you can pretty much buy because who puts it in your language for you other than this amazing guy. But no, uh, there, <laughs> it, it, other than that, uh, when you do a personal lesson with somebody, get a Camtasia trial and record it because there's a lot of stuff you're going to miss the first time through. And a lot of times when I'm doing lessons, I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to catch all of this. So what I've started doing is just recording them myself and then sending a, you know, not the greatest looking video because I'm sending it online, but I send a video and it gets everything we get on it. Jesus. (coughs) 
Ah, my God. I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. Why is my <laughs> voice like this? But, yeah, getting your game to the next level is... I mean, it's you got to. The other thing I would say is you got to play just because you love it. You just got to. You can't look at it as a way to make money. I, I looked at it as a way to make money. I never had fun. Once I started, you know, I'm gonna play poker because I enjoy it, and I really like, you know, not. I was like, I just like learning and you know, creating new things and new concepts and talking to people about it and having fun with it like that. And then, the money just started. You know, not like raking in, but like, God, it got way more stable than when I was younger. And it was just like, oh, I've won a lot of money. Uh, Six month drought. Sweet. And yeah, Yeah. have fun with it. Okay. um, The next question is, we're going to do story time as well this episode. Um, So the the next question is from Kyle McGuire. And he has, after his new sober living approach... I want to know Alex's most degen fucked up night out as, <laughs> as, as long as it doesn't get him divorced. Um, <laughs> I never, my wife knows everything about me, but there's, so, there, there's a taste thing, you know, there's like certain stuff you yeah. shouldn't bring up. Yeah. Sorry. Did I cut you off? Is there more to the question? No, that's it. Yeah. You, since your new sober living approach, what's your most fucked up degen night out? <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, I have quite a catalog. Let me flip through here. I, uh, I mean, pretty much every. I have an allergy to alcohol, but my nationalities are literally Aleut Indian and Irish. And Aleuts are, by the way, they're the Eskimos in Alaska who have no metabolism and lose all their teeth because they never tasted sugar, and they're the most tested allergic people to yeah. alcohol in the world. So yeah, sweet draw, right? But. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the first few drinks I used to have, I'd be like, you know, I don't know, the European side of me would be like, yeah, this is awesome. And then, you know, four drinks in, I'm like, you know, that bitch really shouldn't have left me. And I mean, that guy's looking at me weird. And, yeah, and then, yeah, every night was pretty bad. Let's see. Macau one time, I had a 9 a.m. flight. I don't know what I drank, but it really fucked me up. I was hanging out with a lot of, like, really big poker players who you'd – recognize if i said their names they're just uh they're huge players and i just decided i was sick and i said fuck this and i left and i didn't pay anyone anything (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i just i went home and uh i mean and i was like really messed up and then the next day i woke up and it was 3 p.m i'd missed my flight by a good six hours this was a non-refundable flight so i literally took like a 700 dollars snooze and uh, I was waking. I woke up next to a pool of my own vomit, and there was a Chinese woman screaming at me that I was four hours past checkout, and she needed to clean the room. That was a good one. Uh, let's see. One time I was smoking hookah on a rooftop in Malta, and I was so drunk I knocked over a hookah, and uh, the fire and what whatever you call it, the coal went right into a woman's uh, crotch and like lit her panties on fire. That was, a, that was yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, got a number and chilled with a girl, by the way, later that night. Not the one I burned, but her friend. Oh. But uh, let's see. One time, uh, ah, there's a lot. Hold on, I gotta think. There's a few. There's a few. Man, drunken debauchery. You probably you you tell it. You tell them one while I try to think of one. 
Um, <laughs> you had a I pretty one good one last time. Yeah, yeah, there was one I was in, uh, obviously the Hong Kong one, when I <laughs> said I was the MC championship from Manchester and pissed on the guy's records. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> um, there was another one. I was in Monaco with a friend, and uh, we went out. I was I was really going out all the time. I mean, this is 2006, seven years ago. Um, and I was just out three, you know, fucking four times a week, sometimes five, six nights a week. And I was just constant. And we were out there on a week's holiday and we were staying up the coast where it was quiet. And we went to Monaco and I was bitching to him to go to this nightclub, uh, J- J- Jimmy's, you know, the famous nightclub in Monaco. And um, we eventually go there and the drinks are like fucking... I think a single gin and tonic was like 12 euros at the time, 13 oh, euros. <laughs> and double doubles were like 17 or 19 euros. And um, we go in and we start drinking. So I'm on doubles straight away and drinking away. And I, I've been in expensive places, but I was like, this is taking the piss. And um, so we're drinking away, drinking away. And I eventually like blow all the cash that's in my pocket. But I had an Amex gold card at the time. And... Oh, um, no. So I just start going, and my friend who I was there, he's like, right, look, I, I'm I'm heading back to the, you know, the apartment. And I was like, no, come on, you know, stay, stay. And he's like, no, I'm heading, I'm heading. I'm like, well, fuck, you know, fuck you then, I'm staying. <laughs> so he goes away, and this is a good, we were staying in Carnales just up the coast, which is like a good 20, 25-minute taxi journey from Monaco. Mm-hmm. So he leaves, and it's now like just after 12 at night, and we're, we're just, I'm fucking on it you know big time and um i get speaking with these guys at the bar they're all in lazio blazers um for like the the football club the italian football club yeah yeah and i'm speaking they're, they're in like the late 40s 50s so i'm speaking to them and they're, they're all surrounded by russian hookers <laughs> so i start chatting with them going oh lazio you know yeah, 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 paolo de canio and speaking about like players that played for lazio and all this stuff and uh, they're all like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, you know, I thought it was hilarious, obviously, at the time. And, <laughs> and I've got my arms around them and everything. And, you know, the fucking mafia probably are one step removed from mafia. <laughs> and um, I start whispering in the girls' ears and stuff going like, why are you with these guys? Why are you with these guys? And oh they're like that to me. God. They're like that. They're like that to me. Money, money. I'm like, I've got fucking money. I was like, there's an American Express go card. So I start telling them I'm from Scotland. My dad's fucking such and such layered of so-and-so. And uh, we own fucking golf courses and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, just like hitting them with the bullshit. So the guys, and I'm like, he's want a drink? Like, get a drink. Like, get him a drink. I'll get everyone a drink. So I start this and that. And then the next thing I can remember is going towards like the dance floor and the bars and stuff, right? Then this is no shit. The next thing, I'm getting, hello, hello. I wake up asleep on a seat in the club next to the dance floor. It's like 10 past 7 in the morning. (laughs) The place is fucking empty. Empty, right? So I go out. Sunlight is pissing it. I'm like, fuck me. So um, I'm totally hammered don't know what's happening i start wandering around the grounds of these like five-star hotels uh fountains and stuff i'm sick in a fountain i'm making myself sick you know to make myself a bit better 
Um, I'm just sitting down in like this wet water feature thing, getting soaked, going, what the fuck? I need to get back to the apartment. So I go into one of the hotels to try and check in to like get a room, like just put it on my card. And they're like, no vacancies, you know, like signing everything. I'm like, all right, no problem. So I come out, can't see a taxi, eventually get a taxi. I've got no money on me because I spent it all. I'm now on the Amex card. Oh, my God. So eventually, somehow, I, I managed to find, like, I, I think I found some, like, 17 euros in, like, one pocket or something. And I was like, all right, look, I've got this. And the taxi ride was normally, like, 35 euros or something like that. And he's like, I'll take you for that, no problem. I'm like, oh, you know, lifesaver. You know, I jump in the taxi. I get home. And I didn't even really know where I was going. I had it written on a bit of paper. And I just saw a landmark. And I jumped out. That was me back in the apartment. Go in the house. Crash. Wake up the next day going, oh, what a fucking night. You know, that was crazy. So I start going through my pockets. And I see, like, uh, you know, 13 euro receipt for the gin and tonic. Then, like, uh, 13 euros again. Then 19 euros double, whatever. Then I start seeing ones for, like, 240 euros. <laughs> Right? And then another one for like 315 euros. Wow. And I go, what the fuck? You know way. I'm like, they have, they've, I'm like, to this day, again, I don't know. I used to get major blackouts with the drink. I I don't know if they scanned, like they were just doing my card or if I was just when I go, yeah, I'll get you drinks and people are going bottle of champagne or this and that. And I'm just, because they gave me receipts, so I think that it's genuine, you know, whatever. Right. So, anyway, I end up phoning the credit card company, uh, reporting it, and they credited every penny back onto my account. No way, really? I phoned them up and disputed the transactions, and because they could, it took like a month or six weeks, because the establishment couldn't provide my signature or something with certain transactions, uh, American Express just credited a lot to my account. Wow, that's why American Express is so much better than whenever that yeah. happened to me, the bank was like, yeah, you're fucked. Like, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then usually I probably did it. So they, you know, they got kind of <laughs> sick of my shit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I, I, fi- I came up with one other drunken story. See, oh, most, of my, once, most of my drunken stories are not really good. They end with like me crying and yelling at a bunch of people about my childhood and shitting myself. And it's not, it's not really funny. It's really pathetic. It's like, you know what I mean? But it, I'm trying to think of the funny ones. There was, uh, there was one time I was out with, uh, God, I shouldn't. So I'm out with some of my friends and, uh, we're in Italy. Right. And, uh, I, I meet this, uh, I, I meet this British girl who's just like, She's from some prep school and she's like, she's like everything I hated in the States, just rich and knows it. And like, I I was like, oh, I'm getting with this girl. Right. I literally got her up to the hotel room, bought the hotel room and she like just flipped the fuck out and left. Right. And I was like, God damn it. Right. And we have a. We, I, I have a train to catch at 10:30 in the morning, and uh, oh no, I can't say this because they didn't do anything. I was with Faraz Jaka and his friend Paul Verano. They didn't do anything dumb. This story, and they weren't. I don't even think they were drinking the night before. But anyway, so they saw me go off with this girl, and they're like, "Hey, way to go!" You know, blah blah blah. And then I'm like, "Yeah," and then. 
I, uh, you know, t- roll snake eyes. I, and I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I don't know where the fuck I am, right? Because I don't – we started a pub crawl, and then I met this girl, and then I don't know how I'm there. And I'm like – I look at the clock, and it's like 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, right? And I think there's a certain cutoff time with this – because it was like a really nice train to get to San Remo, right? And I was like, I think there's a cutoff time, but I think I'm about to miss the last one, right? And if you miss the last one, I think you're just screwed, right? And I don't know where my friends are or anything, right? So I like I, – I, uh, I run outside and I get a taxi and I'm like, taxi, I got to get to this address as fast as possible, right? And he's like, all right. And I get in the taxi and I'm not shitting you. He literally drives me across the street. Like, I, I, I'm not going to, like, turn on the ignition, two seconds stopped. And then he goes, there's a minimum six-euro charge. And I'm like, Are you fucking with me, right? And he's like, no, you're right here. So I had the good idea to stay in the, uh, like, across the street from wherever, you know, hostile me and Jocka were hanging out at, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I give him six euros, right? And then I, I think I threw it on the floor to be an ass or something because I was a real swell person back then. Right. And then I like, I run in and, uh, my, my buddy Paul like loves to sleep. Right. And I run in to get Paul and I'm like, Paul, we're like four hours late. We got to get up. And I'm like, where the fuck is Jocka? We got to get Jocka. Right. Well, Jocka went to the shower, went to take a shower. Right. And Paul's like, God, would you leave me alone? I'm like, we got to go. We're late. We're late. What? And I'm like, come on. I'm going to go take a shower. I'll be right back. So I go. Jocka comes in a few minutes later, right? And he's like, Paul, where's Alex? And he's like, Alex is here. And he's like, shut up, Paul. Alex is not here. Alex has not been here. We got to find Alex because I was like the stupid younger brother, right? So Paul is just getting shouted at by everybody. And then finally, like, Paul gets up and, like, fires up the troops, right, to, like, go – Go in there, and then they're saying like, "Oh, it's two o'clock. We gotta go. It's two o'clock, right?" So we're just hauling ass. Like it looked like one of those old, uh, I, I don't know. It looked like a Three Stooges short. Just everybody like running into each other and getting everything. Eventually, we find out we're both in the same place, and then uh, we both stop screaming at Paul for it, poor. He's the small guy, so he took all the shit. But and we are, we're like running everything. We get everything, and we like run to the checkout. And I, we send Jocka because he's the smooth talker, right? I'm like, all right, we gotta, yeah, all right, you gotta get us past the like. You know, we got to get past the we're checking out like three hours later because I think they're just going to charge us for the day. And then on the way there, like Jock looks at his watch and he goes, you know, it's like nine in the morning. Right. I was like, are you serious? So I just went in, rallied everybody up, got everybody going for no reason. Ah, It was like, yeah. And then, of course, they they should have been pissed at me, but they had infinite patience, those people. But I that's. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, you 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 reminded me of something there where you said like you know you come out and like oh get me here and he drives two seconds across the road. <laughs> that that happened to me in Spain. I was out drinking with a friend and <laughs> we were we went on this massive pub crawl and near the end the last bar. I mean, his Spanish measures were just crazy. I had the, there was a guitar on the wall. I thought it was just like an ornament or oh, something. No. no, no, sorry. I thought it was like for an open mic thing, but it turns out it was an ornament. Like just for decoration, <laughs> I, I I took it off the wall and was playing like songs on it because I could play the guitar like semi, you know, a little bit. <laughs> and um, I was sitting, and the whole bar was singing along and stuff. So I was like thinking it was, oh, I was thinking I was the man. 
And then we walked out, me and an older guy from the casino, and, the, and we walked out, and I was like, all right, you know, Don, I says, I'm absolutely fucking hammered. you got to get me home. I don't know where we are and stuff like that. And he's like, I was like, how are we going to get a taxi? And he's like, there's a the hotel there. And literally, like you say, it was <laughs> direct, directly opposite the bar. And the relief on me, I was like, oh, thank God. You know, I thought it was going to be, to be taxis and finding this and stuff. It was just like yeah, it's so a weird, weird. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Like you're pissed, but you're relieved. Okay, I got I got the ultimate. All right, this is the one story I can tell. This one, I told on uh, Jerry Watterson. He was the guy who created Pocket Fives Training. I told it on his podcast, and he literally was speechless, and he wouldn't speak to me for a while. It's not it's not even that bad. He just I he's a very good businessman, and I was clearly loaded when I called in, and I just ran my mouth about this. The probably the like most okay probably the weirdest night i was like loaded okay so i got onto a train uh in switzerland and switzerland is just perfect i'm high all the time but everybody's super polite nobody cares there's no fighting everybody is great everybody speaks five languages all the restaurants are beautiful all the people are beautiful the sun is shining i'm like sweet man i'm having the greatest time of my life and i smoke a little more than i should i admit it and i eat a brownie right and then i start feeling it right and then i'm like well that's all right i gotta i gotta like uh i i gotta what do you call it like a sleeping cabin car right in the uh, on the train right so i'm going all right it's all right i'm just gonna crash out you know i'm gonna have my i'm gonna have my gatorade you know the sugar's gonna bring me down i'm all right so i get on this train to go to italy and it's like it looks like the last cabin in the titanic like it is just disgusting it looks like the commercial fishing vessels i worked on right i'm like okay this sucks but i'm like you know i go in and there's like uh I go into cattle class and there's just all these uh there there's all these uh uh bunk beds, right? And I'm with my uh I'm with my Japanese friend, right? And we've got a we've got a good stash from Amsterdam, right? Cuz we got to last all the way to Malta to get there and we're playing the IPT at one point, right? So I have like I have like 8 grams in my bag and he's got like 20, right? And uh so anyway, and I, I come in and I'm reeking of weed and I look high as a fucking kite. And I'm just, oh, God, this was not smart, right? And a guy yeah. eyes me on the way and I'm like, oh, what the fuck's he going to do, right? I mean, it was just like some cabin boy. He doesn't care. And I'm used to being in Switzerland where they're just like, if you're not hurting anybody, we don't care. If you yeah. start hurting uh, if you start hurting somebody, one of our, you know, one of our 8 million guns is going to pop out and it's going to stop. But it, like... You know, the guy looks at me where, and I'm like, ah, nobody's going to report me. This is like, they, half these people have to be doing heroin, right? Like, this place looks like shit, right? And then, so, I go to bed. The next thing I know, they're, like, knocking on the door, right? And I'm like, God, what do you want, right? And I'm like, are we really in a, are we really in Italy already, right? And then I, I, I go up to the door, right, and I open it, and, like, like, three police, like, SWAT come in, right? I mean, like the goggles, the helmets, the full-on gear, and everything. And they're and they're, they're like, "Do you have drugs on the in this car?" And I was like, "No." And then and then uh, at, like on cue, like on cue, this like German Shepherd, the size of like Fat Albert, jumps out and like starts digging at my uh, 
at, at my backpack and opening one of the one of the pockets, like literally opening one of the pockets, and this baggie of weed is sticking out. And I'm like, okay, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. And they're, they're like, okay, how much do you have? And I'm like, uh, uh, well, well. And then they're like, do you have any friend with you? And I was like, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, my friend is. You know, like he's got everything, right? (laughs) And then I was like, but I don't know because in certain countries, if you lie to the police, that's a crime, right? So I was like, what do I do? And I was like, you know, I don't think I speak English anymore, right? Like I was just, I, 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 what? You don't speak English anymore? Is he your friend? And my buddy, he's the most American, like Japanese guy you ever met, but he's, he's like, uh, uh, right. Like in this deep Japanese brute voice. Right. Like, and he's yelling, pretending like, why the fuck are you waking me up? Right. And like, and they go, ah, there's no way these two work together. And they're they're literally like looking through our passports and they look at the Japanese one and they say something to each other. And I, I don't speak Italian worth the shit, but it's similar to Spanish. But they were like, no way it could be this guy. <laughs> right? Like, literally. And they look at mine. They're like, American. Ah, it is him. Right? And I'm like, oh, damn. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. And they were like, come out with me. So I come out. There's more police, right? There's like six police. And they're carrying machine guns. And it's like the DA. And I'm like carrying my bag in the train station. And they're like hitting me in the head. Like, go faster, go faster. I'm like, all right, motherfucker, Jesus, right? And then they take me into an interrogation room. I'm like, dude, like, what the fuck is your problem? And I'm like, okay, I, all right, I admit, I have weed on me, but it's only weed, okay? And I, like, pull out everything from my bag, right? And they're like, you promise me this is all there is, right? They have one guy who speaks English, right? I go, I promise you that's the only thing. I'm thinking I'm diffusing things, right? And I mean, like, they're literally smoking cigarettes, and there's the one hanging light and shit. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then they open up. One other bag I completely forgot about, honest to God, f- forgot about, and they find, like, ten spliffs I rolled. I'm like, Jesus, right? Like, I'm dead now, right? And they go, okay, and they pull out this, like, 30-page document, and they go, if you sign this, we'll let you go. <laughs> I'm like, the fuck you, right? I'm not yeah. signing anything in Italian. And, like, yeah. they're, they're, like, losing their mind. Would you just sign this fucking paper? I'm like, I'm not, right? And I want to talk to my embassy now, right? And then another guy comes in from the same train. I saw him on the same train. He turns in some joints and then they hand him the same sheet of paper and he writes it and he leaves, right? And I like I go up to the window while they're yelling at me and I see him leave the station, right? I'm like, oh my God, do I want to gamble, right? Because if I call the embassy, like now it has to become a shit storm, right? Are they really going to let me go? And I'm like, I... I I fine. Right. I got it because I already bought into this IPT like main event, which is like $5,000. And if I'm stuck here for a day, I don't think I can unregister. I don't think they're going to let, let, I don't think they're going to let me use my Gmail from Italian prison. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I, ugh. Like, I'm like, I'm literally like wondering, am I signing like a year of my life away? I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, so I sign it. Right. And I write a note. I don't speak Italian. I, and then that starts another shit storm. Right. And like, you can't write that next one. I'm like, well, I just did. And that's the only signature I'm doing. Right. And then they're like, fine. And they kick me out. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Right. I'm literally I'm out. I don't have weed, but I'm OK. Right. And I like I go, look, I'm going to find a pub. I'm going to drink in the morning or I'm going to find it. I can't find anything. 
I'm in Damadalusala or something on the border. And they're like, there's nothing open. I mean, there's no pub. There is no hotel open. There's no people. And I'm just walking around with my suitcase looking like, please rob me, tourist, right? And then I start having, I had this big meal before I left Switzerland, like just everything, like veal and the, the creme de la creme of cuisine there, right? And my stomach starts like gurgling. I'm like, oh my God, no, right? And I start panicking, right? I'm looking around. There's no public bathrooms. There's no, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing open, right? I even knock on like a restaurant, just like seeing if anybody was there because I thought they were sleeping in the back. Nobody answered. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, right? So I'm like, I find an alley, right? And there's like, there's one light so I can like see in the distance, like, okay, I'm going to shit here. But I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm gonna, so I put a little piece of cardboard, like thinking I'm going to clean it up. Right. <laughs> and I, uh, so I, I, I shit and it's like the biggest shit I've ever shit in my life, like to this day. Right? <laughs> and like, then I start hearing voices. Right. And all these other li- uh, lights come on. Right. And I go shit. Right. And I pull up my pants. Right, like I had like newspaper or something that I used to wipe myself. And I run outside the opposite direction and when I run out the side of the opposite direction, I realize it's the police station that I just took a shit behind. And all these police start filing out. And it's some of them, no shit. It is the same, some of the same fucking people I was arguing with 40 minutes ago. And I'm like, I'm fucked if they find me, right? And I just run like hell. And I grab this like 50 kilo bag. I'm running. They're like, you know, hey, come back here, blah, blah, blah. I run in, I run in, I run in, I run in. I like, and then eventually I think they gave up and I like turn and there's a hotel right there. And I'm like, oh my God. And I run into it. And I didn't look back, but I would not have been surprised if they like just didn't catch me going into it because like the I had to like buzz in and there was one guy and none of the lights were on. And yeah. I got in and I was like, you just got to give me a room. Right. And it was one of the nicest Italian rooms I'd ever been in, like amazing Internet, which I thought didn't exist. And like super nice people, perfect English, everything clean. I was <laughs> like, I have no idea how I'm not in prison. Like I was just begging to get in prison tonight and it was <laughs> showing up on the train loaded, having, you know, having the little yeah. baggie stick out, all that. But yeah, that was probably my uh, drunkest story I can that, tell on the air. That, that one's quite insane. I mean, if they caught you doing that. I mean, that <laughs> Dude, and like it looked like an insult shit. It looks yeah. like, <laughs> like why would it looks like I brought it there with the cardboard? Right? Like yeah. I did it in another place. And like, and I always wish I had a video of me like pulling my pants up and running with newspapers sticking out my ass, yeah, holding. Or like, yeah. You're gonna set. You're gonna do that like in a bag and set it on fire. <laughs> yeah, like, but, like, yeah. And then I showed, I showed up at the IPT the next day, and they're like doing an interview with me, and I just look like shit. And they're like, "You're one of the big players in my." I'm like, no, like I'm one of the <laughs> dumbest fucking people I know. <laughs> like, you don't want to learn from me. Trust me. That's nuts. That is nuts. Oh, well, those few stories, you know, Alex told me whatever. <laughs> we'll take that as story time for this episode. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, next time we'll we'll save that. I had another one, but we'll save that for next time. It's yeah, not, good. I'm it's out. Not, it's not drunken debauchery. It's uh, just a, it was a little one we had. So, uh, just as a reminder, uh, join the OneOuter.com Facebook page. Uh, well, actually, Facebook group. It's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. 
O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And another couple of you took advantage of the free £15 on William Hill. That's still going. Uh, all the details are on the site. Set up an account and use one podcast, O-N-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you'll get yourself uh, free £15 if you deposit £15 and play at least one hand of cash poker, a sit and go or a tournament, whatever, as long as you rake something. Uh, email me, barry at oneouter.com, and I'll get the £15 to you. Uh, or you can get £15 voucher for Amazon.com or .co.uk. Uh, Alex, uh, your your plugs uh, to finish. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, for some reason, want to learn from me after hearing those stories, uh, you <laughs> can contact me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. Do private lessons, real affordable. Well, I don't know if we call it affordable, but you're going to learn more than you'll uh, learn from anyone in MTTs. It's, it's value for money. There you go. There you go. They're 180 an hour maximum, but they get cheaper with package deals and stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter at The Assassinato, Facebook.com slash Assassinato. Check out, I was a writer before poker. I still write about random shit because I seem to need to do that. Uh, it, check my stuff out at pokerheadrush.com and check out the articles on wptmag.com bluff.com and watch my training videos there's like 60 hours of me playing and uh i have people write me every day saying like i learned everything from those videos you can check them all out at pocket fives training yep so we are sorted until the next time and one last thing get your questions in for alex uh, for next show uh, this is 13th of March. It should be out in a few days. Um, so the next one we'll be recording is the 27th of March. So get your questions in to questions at oneouter.com on email or tweet them to at oneouter.com or post them on the, fo- uh, the Facebook page. Facebook page? Facebook. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. And uh, we appreciate the questions and keep them coming in. And... Yeah, we hope we weren't too off-tangent on this one, but we still answer plenty of questions as well. So, it's all good. Cheers, boys!